Store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now here's where we come to the kingdom, and here's why I gave you that context. In the two kingdoms that there are, each of those kingdoms have a treasure have a perspective, and have a master. And the fact of the matter is, we will choose to live out of one of those treasuries, we will choose to live out of one of those perspectives, and we will, cho- or, and we will choose to live under one of those masters. And let me say it now, so I don't forget to say it later, To not choose is to choose. Not choosing is a choice. All right. So, where is our treasure? All right, interactive portion of the message. So, I want you to talk to me for a moment and tell me, how do you know where your treasure is? How can you tell? How can you determine where your treasure is? Okay? Shout out. I can't hear you, so you've got to be loud. Where your heart is. Okay, good. Where you spend your money. What we spend our time on. What you think about. Anybody else? Where's our treasure? What you spend your time doing. What you worry about. Good. All right? Yeah. What's that? What's on your mind? What you hate to lose? All right? Good. All of those. Let's, let me give you some things to think about. Here's where you can know where your treasure is. What do you value most? What do you value most? Secondly, what would you most hate to lose? What would you most hate to lose? Thirdly, what occupies our thoughts? What is it that's occupying your thoughts? Fourth, what gives us the greatest pleasure? Okay? Those are four things. Four ways that you can discover where your treasure is. You and I need to ask ourselves that question. What do we value most? What would we most hate to lose? What occupies our thoughts? And what gives us the greatest pleasure? Now, in the earthly treasury, there's two treasuries. Here's what we the Scripture tells us about our earthly treasury. Everyone comes naked from their mother's womb, and as everyone comes, so they depart. They take nothing from their toil that they can carry in their hands. 
I've had the joy of going and seeing a couple of new babies born. Guess what? None of them were born in a suit. None of them had a Cartier watch on their hand. None of them had anything. It's scandalous how naked they were. Somebody asked the accountant of a very wealthy man who had recently died, how much did he leave? And you know what the accountant's answer was? He left everything. Nobody's ever seen a hearse going down the road with a U-Haul. You leave it all. Don't be overawed when others grow rich, when the splendor of their houses increases, for they will take nothing with them when they die, and their splendor will not descend with them. Though while they live, they count themselves blessed and people praise you when you prosper. They will join those who have gone before them who will never again see the light of life. People who have wealth but lack understanding are like the beasts that perish. You can have all the wealth that you want. If you don't understand what that wealth is about, you are no smarter or more intelligent than the beasts of the field. Peter says, by the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. There is a day coming when everything is going to pass away. Nothing is going to last here on earth. So if this is your earthly treasury, let me tell you, everything that you're putting into that treasury, none of it is going to last. So, what, do we, what can we do? You, you can't take it with you. It's reality. You can't take it with you. But there is a heavenly treasury. Sell your possessions, give to the poor, provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. This is where God gives us the grace of giving. This is why we can have tithing and offering and alms and all of the different ways in which we can give. You know, the best way to reorient your heart is it relates to your resources is to give them away. It's a wonderful thing to give away what you have. Because it breaks the power of its hold over your life. It sets you free. You see, you can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. Because what's the treasury that will last? It's people. It's the things that will last forever, for eternity. And if you're trying to hang on to everything that you've got to hold it on into your treasury and building bigger gates and bigger walls and bigger whatever security system to, to hang on to everything that you have, you're missing the whole point. God's given you those things so that you can give them away. Your time, your talents, your treasures, 
so you can invest them in that which will last forever. Okay? Yes? Got that? All right. What is our perspective? Again, back to our scripture, it says, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? So you've got a perspective. It has to do with your eyes, what you're looking at. So, so tell me, how do you know what your perspective is? Give me some insight into your perspective. How do you know what your perspective is? Interactive portion. How do you know what your focus is? Frame of reference. Good. Excellent. What else? Your attitude? Okay, what else? Look at it from a different angle. Okay, good. What else? How do you know what your perspective is? Okay, who you naturally go to and agree with. Excellent. How do you know what your perspective is? Okay. Thing that influences your thoughts. Okay, good. All right, here's some ways you can look at it. Where is your focus? What are you looking at? What is your point of view? You know, if you're doing photography, your perspective has to do with what's your point of view. What are you focused on? Where are you... Where's your point of view from? How do you interpret? How do we interpret events and circumstances? How do we interpret what's happening in our lives? And how does that perspective influence your thoughts and the decisions that you make? That's your perspective. And there are two perspectives that are available to us. One perspective is an earthly perspective. And it's a temporal vision which is inherently short-sighted. And our picture of that is the rich fool. We've all heard, most of us, this parable. I won't take time to unpack it all, but let me just read it for you here. He told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night, Your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with for whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. This is that short-sighted temporal vision that says, it's all about me, it's what I've got for me, I'm going to eat, drink, and be merry. I will take advantage of the things that I have been given. Build bigger barns. Not realizing that missing the whole entire point. Foolish people live only for immediate gratification. Foolish people live only for immediate gratification. But there is a second perspective, and it's an eternal vision. And it's long-sighted. And our picture of this is the poor widow who we looked at a few weeks ago in our study in the Gospel of Mark. And Jesus sat down the opposite place where the offerings were put and watched the crowds putting their money into the temple treasuries. Now, I don't know about you, but does that strike anybody else as just a little bit rude? How about it? 
How about it if we distributed the elders throughout the church and as the offering was being given and unfolded, you watched them open up every check and every gift that was given and take a look at it? How would that make you feel? Here's the thing that we need to understand. Jesus talked about money more than he talked about anything else other than the kingdom of God. He talked about it more than faith. He talked about it more than heaven and hell. He talked about it more than everything else because he knew how much money had grip upon our hearts. How much money has a grip upon our lives. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she out of her poverty put in everything, all that she had to live on. She gave everything. She didn't even keep one cent back. She gave both cents. Everything that she had. Wise people live for eternal satisfaction rather than immediate gratification. That is the true perspective that he invites us into. Thirdly, who is our master? Okay, last portion of interaction. We're almost done. Tell me, how do you know who your master is? Who you obey, who you serve, who you think about, who you're afraid of, who's your role model, who you follow, what's that, who your heart, where your heart is, okay, good, who you give, all right, here's some questions you can ask yourself, how do you make decisions, how do you make decisions? going to tell you who your master is. What has control of your thoughts and your actions? Whose voice or voices influence you the most? Who are you serving? Those are some questions just to start getting you thinking about who your master is. All right? Two masters. First master, money. Again, Jesus is having a conversation. He has a conversation with the rich young man. A man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to inherit eternal life? Notice, what do I do? Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, there's only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which one, he inquired. Jesus replied, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother, love your neighbors yourself. All these I've kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions, give to the poor, then you'll have treasure in heaven, then come follow me. And when the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. And Jesus said to his disciples, truly I tell you, it's hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to get to enter into the kingdom of God. Why? Well, let me, again, I don't want to preach a whole message on this, but I would invite you to go back and notice Jesus lists a number of commands, particularly the commands that are, have to do with um, our relationships with other people. 
And the rich young man says, I've kept them all. But do you notice there's one commandment that Jesus doesn't list there? He doesn't list the commandment, do not covet. And so then when the young man said, well, I've kept all of these, what else do I need to do? Jesus goes right to the heart of the issue. Right to the heart of the heart of this man and says, here's the one thing you haven't done. Or here's the one place you have broken my commandment in coveting what others have. I think it was John Rockefeller who was asked, how much money is enough? And he always said, just one dollar more. Just one dollar more. How do you know if money is your master? Well, who's making your decisions? How do you make your decisions? Is your first question, can I afford it? If that's your question, and if that's the decision, then money is making the decision. Because you may be able to afford it, but you sh- doesn't necessarily mean that you should be getting it. And maybe you can't afford it, but God is encouraging inviting you to do something to step out. It's a part of the equation, but if that's the only thing making the decision. Money is a power. It's a power. Now, I conveniently left my own wallet up. I, I won't do this to Andrews, but, you know, if you don't think money's a power, I get to do this in, in uh, Minneapolis last week. I just ripped some money up. I love ripping up money, by the way. It's just a great thing to do. Because I just love what it does to people's. <laughs> but I won't do that, Andrews. <laughs> But in, in, in I, I also gave it away last week. I also took some more money and gave it away. So I'll give this to Sarah. All right. There you go. Don't, don't spend it all in one place there. But it's a power. We build temples to it. We call them malls. We worship. We worship money more than we care to think about. God is the other. And the disciples are an example of this. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, who then can be saved? And Jesus looked at them and said, with man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. And Peter answered him, we have left everything to follow you. What then will there be for us? And Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last and many who are last will be first. Hallelujah. So, when we release, let go, abandon ourselves to God, and He becomes our master, we can entrust to Him that He'll take care of us in all of the other things. Have you found that to be true? I've found that to be true. God is faithful. Listen up. You can have both God and money, but you cannot serve both God and money. It's not wrong to have it, but you can't serve them both. God wants to be at the center of our resources. Come on up, worship team, if you would, please, as we close. Here's my question for us this morning. Are you choosing the true kingdom?
The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy went and sold all that he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. In the true kingdom, there is a passion, there is an eternal reward, and there is a true treasury. And my question to you this morning is, what are you living for? Are you living for your paycheck? Are you living for the next thing you get to buy? What is it that you're living for? What's your true passion? Where is your true treasure? It's a place. It's a heaven. There's a true perspective. A perspective that's much more than temporal. It's eternal. Where are you living for? Are you living for retirement? Are you living for... what? what where are you living for? And it's a person, Jesus, who is the true Master. And my question for us this morning is, who are you living for? Are you living for the great God consumerism and materialism of America? Or are you living for the God, the living God, the Creator of all things? Who is your source? Who is your Master? At the end of our Scripture in Matthew 6, Jesus says this rather startling thing. He says, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. I mentioned to you earlier that you and I have to make a choice. And here's where the rubber hits the road. Because most of us would think that where our heart is, there will our treasure go. So we think that there's it begins somehow with adjusting and aligning our heart. And our heart is very important. Of course, it's significant. But Jesus puts it inverse to what we think. He says, where your treasure is, there's where your heart's going to go. In other words, what you do with your resources, where you invest them, what you do with those things, your heart is going to follow after that. When you invest in our missionaries, when you do something like that, when you invest in a mission overseas, when you get involved in, in, in and engaged in something beyond yourself. Your heart, would you give your time? When you give your talents to something, where your treasures are, your heart follows after that. So make a choice today. All of us are invited to make a choice today. Can we stand together as we sing? And I don't know, if anybody else struggles with singing this song, but I know that in my own heart, it always, it's an old song, but it always serves sort of as a corrective in my heart. Because I have to ask myself the question, is what I'm singing really true <laughs> to me, for me? And I always say, God, help make it more true. Because I can't do this myself, but I need your grace to help me. Lord, I want You to be more precious. I want You to be more costly. Lord, You're more beautiful. I want You to be all of those things to me and in me. But Lord, I need You to change and realign me. Oh God, help. Lord, You are more precious than Lord, You are more costly.
just going to open up the altar if you want to come before the Lord. Lord, just make that declaration to Him. There's some realignment in your own soul. Jesus, we just need you to help us in this area of our life. It's so practical. It's so real. It's so much a part of who we are. Grant us grace, Lord, to readjust our lives so that they're more fully aligned with your kingdom values, with your kingdom perspective, with your kingdom priorities. Change us, Lord, that you might be first in this very important and significant area of our lives individually and corporately. Do this work, God, among us by your grace and by your goodness. Come, Lord, change our hearts, we pray. Lord, we can't do this on our own. We desperately need you, so help us, Lord. We're crying out for your mercy. We're crying out for your help. And Lord, as we close our time together this morning, we remember those among us who are hurting, those who are going through various challenges and trials and afflictions. And God, we pray that grace and mercy would be extended throughout this congregation and throughout your people during this time and throughout our community, throughout our city, Lord, and the Twin Cities, Lord, there's so many suffering, God. Come, Lord, with your grace and mercy right now. Come with your help, Lord Jesus, and help us to be a part of that, Lord God, as we open our hands and hearts, Lord, to those who are hurting. Come and help us be a part of touching lives and ministering the reality of your kingdom. Help us, O God, to be your hands and feet. Help us to be your voice. Lord, help us to be your touch. Help us to see with your eyes. Help us, God, we pray. And now I pray that the immeasurable love of God the Father and the irresistible mercy and grace of Jesus Christ the Son and the inexhaustible strength and power, hope and comfort of the Holy Spirit will be with you and yours. As you go from this house to yours, go in the goodness and grace of the Lord Jesus Christ until we gather again, either in this house or in our eternal home. Go with his favor as a banner over your life, sent to make disciples of all nations. May the blessings of the Lord chase you down and be with you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Please come and join us today at 4 o'clock for our Bhutanese Christian Fellowship program. They would love to have many come. And they got food prepared, and it would just be a part of our blessing them. It would be a way of giving of your time today. I would encourage you to do so. It would be a great place to invest in a relationship. Join us Friday night, Christmas Eve, 9 o'clock. Next Sunday morning, we'll be back here again. God bless you. Share his love with one another, and go in the grace and peace of God. Amen.